Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi there, I'm Georgie Ainsley, and every week I talk to someone who is a performance person. They could be an athlete from the world of entertainment, business, or politics. They could even be an astronaut. The key link is, of course, that they all know how to perform at the top level, and they can teach us all a thing or two about how to do that in our own lives at whatever it is that we do. Performance People is available wherever you get your podcasts, or of course, you can watch us on YouTube, where you can also subscribe, and please do. Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is a functional medicine practitioner and the founder of the Institute of Muscle-Centric Medicine. She's a best-selling author, nationally recognized speaker, and media contributor, specializing in brain and thyroid health, lean body mass support, and longevity. The um, downstream effects of focusing on this plethora of obesity-related illnesses or challenges, potentially... If we're getting worse, then maybe we're not asking the right question. It's never too late. When I was writing this book, I looked, okay, so what is the oldest, where the oldest individual that we will see that will not show benefit? I couldn't find it. 85-year-olds were getting stronger. Listen, people, here's what I'm going for. Here's what I'm going for. I talk all about muscle. I talk all about protein. But the reality is I only want one thing. And I want a stronger world. That's all I care about. So I was really inspired when I did a little bit of research into who you are and what you're all about, Gabrielle, by watching your TED Talk um, and you talking in particular about this lady, Betsy. And I think it would be um, really helpful if you could explain to my audience, our audience on performance people, who Betsy is and, and, and why she's relevant to the discussion we're going to have today. There's two components to Betsy that are incredibly valuable. Number one, she was a real person. And I think we all have somebody in our life, whether you're a provider or a professional, entrepreneur, et cetera, where you interface with someone and it's that interaction that changes everything for you. 
And the story of Betsy, we'll call her Betsy, we'll call her Betty. She was a mid-50-year-old woman, mother of three, always put herself last. And what was so interesting is she was a great student. She did exactly what the medical profession had told her to do, which was eat less, exercise more. And she cycled through the last 20 pounds for the last 20 years, yo-yo dieting, She lost weight and in the process, she lost muscle, destroyed her metabolism. And I just adored her. Just, you know, we all have someone who's just so rambunctious and full of life. And I imaged her brain. And at the time, I was also doing a geriatric fellowship. And for individuals who don't know what geriatrics is, it's seeing and taking care of patients 65 years and older. It's end of life. It's normal life, it's dementia care, it's palliative care. It's it's quite all-encompassing and quite intense. So I imaged Betsy's brain and Betsy, again, this was a study looking at the interface between body composition and brain function, and her brain looked like the beginning of an Alzheimer's brain. And it was at that moment that I realized we had failed her. The medical community had failed her. The culture had failed her. She was doing exactly what she was told to do. And I knew that at some point she was gonna forget her kids' names and just the trajectory of her life wasn't going to be um, what she probably anticipated. And that's really where these concept of muscle-centric medicine was born because I knew we had to do better. And then the second part of Betsy is that uh, we all have someone like that in our life who has struggled to do the right thing, to be able to manage habits, or is doing exactly what they're being told, but the results are uh, yo-yo dieting over two decades. So was Betsy struggling with obesity? Was that the thing that was the the central um, focus of all of this? Is that where this starts? For Betsy, yeah, she had always struggled with her weight. She had always struggled with her weight, um, probably her whole life. And, um, you know, as a society, it's it's crazy. We hear something repeated over and over again, and we ultimately believe it's true. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. Or we believe that we are possibly acting, uh, asking the correct question. We've been struggling with obesity, I don't know, for the last 50 years. And for 50 years, we continue to ask the same question. And we focus on these diseases of aging like um, diabetes, uh, diseases that we think are related to obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, uh, metabolic diseases. And we continue to focus on the pathology of fat. This is where we have honed our skills, honed our attention, yet 70% of individuals are either overweight or obese. If we were to take a step back and say, you know, we've been trying to fight this, quote, obesity epidemic, yet everybody continues to get worse. The um, downstream effects of focusing on this plethora of obesity-related illnesses or challenges, potentially, if we're getting worse, then maybe we're not asking the right question. And I don't believe that we are. The question and the solution of obesity is is the wrong attention. 
It's not that we're over fat. It's that we're under muscled. And when I started to really think about how do we come up with a solution for this? So I asked my colleagues and my colleagues said, well, you know, eat less, exercise more. And then I started to think about all the patients I was also seeing in the nursing home and in the hospital. And what were these unifying factors? And the one thing that struck me so profoundly was that the unifying factor wasn't that they were over fat. It was that they all had unhealthy skeletal muscle. So being under muscled, does that have a direct correlation because of the ramifications of that over a period of time that lead to all these other things that you've been talking about? So for instance, dementia, I mean, is that actually linked? Yeah, yes. Um, yes. And I so appreciate that question. The idea that, um, you know, if you were to weigh out what is more dangerous as you age, to put on body fat or to lose skeletal muscle, it's much more dangerous to lose skeletal muscle. When you think about skeletal muscle, if we were to lay out what does skeletal muscle do? What is it? Why is it important? Skeletal muscle is your metabolic sink. It's your metabolic currency. What does that mean? That means it's the site for glucose disposal, the site for carbohydrates that you eat. It, you know, has to get out of the bloodstream and go into tissue. And the primary site of that, 80-some percent, is skeletal muscle. As you can imagine, if you don't have healthy skeletal muscle, if you have low muscle mass, where does that blood glucose go? It stays elevated. It eventually will go into other tissues with the help of insulin, but we see an increase in glucose over time, an increase in uh, insulin resistance. Insulin is a peptide hormone released from the pancreas to move glucose out of the bloodstream into cells. So yes, skeletal muscle loss or having unhealthy skeletal muscle is a crucial, crucial component. And in fact, you will see defects or challenges or issues with metabolism in skeletal muscle, like um, insulin resistance, decades before you start to see overt problems like type 2 diabetes. There is no such thing as a healthy, sedentary individual. The earlier data um, out of Yale, when you look at 18-year-old sedentary college students, they showed signs of skeletal muscle insulin resistance. This is where these problems begin. Once you have skeletal muscle insulin resistance, again, the tissue ends up looking like a marbled steak. You get fat infiltration, the tissue is not functioning the way it should, versus having your skeletal muscle look like a filet, which is what it should. The crazy thing is me sitting here having this conversation with you across the pond and having, having a dialogue. I've been sedentary all day because I've been immersed in my podcast world all day, but never in my wildest imaginations could I foresee that that might, with a repeat pattern of behavior like that, not, yeah, okay, I perceive that I might put on a, a few pounds here and there by not doing as much exercise as I ordinarily would. But I would never correlate that with diabetes, with um, brain health issues, Alzheimer's, dementia, all of the things you're talking about. But, but evidently, that's not the message that's being passed on because all we're obsessed by is obesity and being overweight, never being under-muscled. Right. Right. And, and you really bring up a good point. There are things that individuals can do immediately to help the, the health of their skeletal muscle. 
Skeletal muscle, again, does a lot of things. And what is of critical importance to the health of skeletal muscle is to create flux, to utilize the substrates, to utilize the compounds within that skeletal muscle so that it is not sedentary. Think about, think about skeletal muscle like a pond. And when the pond water just begins to stay stagnant over time, then it becomes unhealthy. And so for you, you've been sitting down and podcasting all day. I would challenge you that every hour of your podcast, after you're done to get up, to do 20 push-ups, 20 squats, go for a quick walk. And that would be efficient and effective to move that substrate within skeletal muscle. And the thing about it's that not is, hard no, to have healthy that's skeletal completely, muscle. And it's completely realistic and totally achievable. And normally the perception is, is that you sort of separate off your exercise from the rest of your day and you don't ping pong the two back and forth intermittently over the course of a day. But like you say, a lot of us say, oh, well, we've got only got half an hour. Can we really fit that in as, and make an excuse for it as opposed to actually, like you say, just do a little bit of something rather than nothing at all. So how, how much damage are we doing to ourselves and how quickly are we doing that sort of is there irreversible damage or is or can we turn it around and at what age can we turn it around or is there a point where all is lost <laughs> i think that this is why my book has done so well um so my book is called forever strong and as you can imagine forever strong it, it's never too late skeletal muscle is an organ system we think about the cardiovascular system. We think about the pulmonary system. Skeletal muscle is an endocrine organ system. And when you contract skeletal muscle, it secretes myokines. It does a whole host of other things. And it's never too late. When I was writing this book, I looked, okay, so what is the oldest, where the oldest individual that we will see that will not show benefit? I couldn't find it. 85-year-olds. We're getting stronger and gaining more skeletal muscle. Um, that being said, the time to start is now. The best time to start was yesterday. The second best time to start is, is today. Because it's not if, but it really is when you are going to go through a health challenge, whether that is the flu or whether it's, you know, you name it. Um, we get sick and making sure that we can have healthy skeletal muscle to act as a reservoir for our body is, is really crucial. And then as we age, the other misconception I would say that, that people have is that they think that aging is a linear process, that it's just kind of this slow decline. That's not it at all. Typically, there will be an event that's a catabolic crisis, a major event that will put someone in bed rest for seven days. You could lose two pounds of skeletal muscle in seven days. Uh, that's not to say you need to be a bodybuilder and massive, but you do need to have the tracks in place to maintain the tissue and to build and put into reserve, not if, but when something like that happens. And when we're younger, in our 30s, 40s, even our 50s, it becomes much easier to regain strength and to regain tissue. But as we age, it definitely becomes more challenging. So let's help people by explaining or you explaining, because I'll just ask the questions, but how they get better muscle health. We've touched a little bit on 
exercise, but there are other components to this, including sort of nutrition as well. So, so what are the key ways that you can improve your muscle health? If, if you're someone listening to this and you think, oh my God, this is terrifying. Tomorrow I've got to do something about it. How would you suggest easing no, yourself? Today. Today, they're going to do something about it, my friend. Today. Listen, people, here's what I'm going for. Here's what I'm going for. I talk all about muscle. I talk all about protein. But the reality is I only want one thing. And I want a stronger world. That's all I care about. I want a stronger world. I want a stronger mental and physical world so that we can avoid, um, you know, this narrative of aging that we see because it, it doesn't have to happen. When you think about skeletal muscle health, there's really two primary drivers. The two primary drivers are exercise. And I like to focus on resistance exercise. It's finally having its moment. Cardiovascular activity has really been the golden child of uh, physiology and exercise physiology research for decades. And the way to support your exercise and the way to support your skeletal muscle is through dietary protein. It's a non-negotiable. If we were to think about which is more impactful, I get this question a lot. Is it exercise or is it diet? I'm about to blow your mind right now because <laughs> it's actually exercise. Nothing is going to be more influential in the input of homeostasis, of pushing something out of homeostasis, of creating a full body systemic response than exercise. When we talk about what kind of exercise, pick your poison. High intensity interval training is incredible. High intensity interval training is incredible for insulin resistance. It's incredible for body composition. It's incredible, by the way, for people who do not have time. 30 minutes, I would challenge you to be able to do more than 30 minutes of some kind of really high intensity exercise. It's very difficult. Um, it impacts both cardiovascular and skeletal muscle health. So there's that piece. Overall resistance training, and um, that is, there's a whole spectrum of how people think about it, whether it is strength, and that is usually thought about as the lower rep range, but there is a continuum, whether it's strength, hypertrophy, or endurance, all have influence on the health of skeletal muscle. And then, of course, cardiovascular exercise, which is great for the heart and, of course, mitochondria. Um, but if I were to say what is the most important thing for aging and longevity, it is resistance training. I would say resistance training would be number one. And that would be moving anything against force. If you are new to training, it could be body weight. It could be push-ups. It could be squats. And then you could progress to bands. It doesn't have to be complicated. But I will ultimately say the goal is that you are training for life. You're not training to be better at exercise. You are training to be better at life. And what does that mean? That does mean being able to pick up heavy weights and move them. Um, like a kettlebell, you have to be able to carry your luggage and carry your groceries and put them overhead. You should train to do these things. It's really interesting you say that because a couple of weeks ago, uh, my elbow went and um, this isn't supposed to be any kind of me asking you what to do with myself, but I went to see somebody about it. And um, and she said, oh, you've got tennis elbow. Um, what, what have you been doing lately? I said, oh, I've got these two dogs and they pull every time I walk them, they pull my arm. And I've got this baby who's two years old and he's getting heavier and heavier. And I'm always lifting him on this side. And, you know, the various stresses and strains that I'm putting on myself. And I thought to myself, do you know what, though? I haven't actually been exercising as much as I used to exercise because I never would have had 
had an injury like this, had I been exercising. And it brought home to me the reality of actually that lack of exercise was, was causing me injuries not because I was doing the exercise, because I wasn't doing the exercise. And I think that's the sort of thing that as you get older, these little niggles become a bigger issue and they take longer to solve and to cure. So like you say, and that makes absolute sense, you know, putting those sort of building blocks around yourself, building this reservoir so that as and when you do have a problem, you can bounce back faster. It, it does make a huge difference, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And what happens is, is people think that Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Body composition naturally changes over time. And I would say that that's not true. What changes is our activity and our willingness to do hard things. Mm. It's our activity and our willingness to do hard things that changes, not overt our body composition. And if we continue to do these hard things and these things that challenge us physically, then I suspect body composition changes would happen much, much, much later. We're talking 60s, 70s. So exercise is key. Nutrition, you mentioned protein. How much? What type of oh, protein? Yeah. I mean, how, oh, let's yeah. sort of dig into the specifics. I want to know the specifics. <laughs> yeah. A protein is, is really funny. It's a macronutrient that is more controversial or as controversial as religion. And it's, it wasn't that way when I started in this 20 years ago. With the rise of social media and the rise of input of um, different things like influential um, bloggers or influencers, that really changed everything. Um, so it's, it's really been much different nowadays than it was before. Let me tell you uh, protein. So we're going to talk about protein. Now, protein is made up of 20 different amino acids, nine of which are essential, and that means that we must eat them from the diet. So we must get these essential amino acids from the diet. Why is protein important? Protein is important for our architecture, for our foundation. It is important for bone health, for skin, for hair, for neurotransmitters. Um, the amino acid phenylalanine is a precursor for dopamine, tryptophan for serotonin. Again, all of these individual amino acids, which make up protein, do various things. And what is so fascinating is that we don't actually eat for protein. We do eat for these various amino acids. The current recommendation is around 0.37 grams per pound. 
So if you are a hundred and say 15 pound woman, that would mean your minimum requirement for dietary protein would be 45 grams. Mm -hmm. That is way too low. And these recommendations have not been updated since the 60s, which is fascinating that we've had such a influx of science and really good data, yet the recommendations have not changed. What is much more valuable for people is to have double the RDA, and that would be closer to um, 1.6 grams per kg. So that's 0.7 grams per pound. And when you do that, what happens is you meet the needs of skeletal muscle, you meet the needs of organ systems, you decrease hunger, you decrease um, your dependency on other kinds of foods, and it, it really allows you to maintain optimal body composition. Okay, so exercise, diet. What about... Um the mental health aspect. Does that play a role in any of this? And, and if so, how much would you say? Do you mean the mental aspect in terms of what? Your emotional well-being, your lifestyle choices, um, the things, the things that you do, which I don't know, may create those endorphin releases or whatever it might be to, to contribute to the better, a better sense of well-being. Well, having a, you know, there, there's two, there's two parts to that. Um, certainly exercise. We know that exercise influences brain function. Uh, exercise, because you have healthy skeletal muscle and you are training skeletal muscle, these skeletal muscle, uh, the various muscles in your body release these myokines. And these myokines like keptep, keptepsin B or irisin or BDNF, they all have impact on mood and brain function. Hmm. And BDNF helps with brain neurogenesis, helps with memory. These are aspects where we know that regular physical activity helps with anxiety, helps with depression. And it's not just the action of endorphins. It is the action of these myokines. And that is, you know, there's a new emerging evidence over time. Um, that we're going to hear more about that because what we typically think about muscle and exercise is that we think about the endorphins. We think about, um, you know, the stress hormones, which in this case would be positive. But the other aspect is, again, these myokines that play a role in the influence on the brain. And that's really, really cool. The other, the other um, side note of this, um, we'll just take it one step that is maybe a little bit more a nebulous or uh, out there is that skeletal muscle is a currency. We can agree that it is the site for glucose metabolism. We can agree that it is really the site for fatty acid oxidation, all of these things. But it is an organ system and it's the only organ system in which you have direct control over. Meaning you cannot go exercise your liver or even your heart. You cannot mm. say, I want my heart to beat, I don't know, 125 beats a minute. With skeletal muscle, you can say, I'm going to raise my left hand. I'm going to contract my bicep. I'm going to do a squat. You have direct control over this endocrine system. 
And what does that mean? That means that the person that you have to become, the actions that you have to take, the habits that are required of you to earn this metabolic currency will also make you a stronger, more resilient, more anti-fragile human. And, and that's, that's one part of why skeletal muscle is so important above and beyond. If we were just going to talk science, fine, but we don't just live in this science bubble. We do live in a world where we interface and part of that interface, there is a, a mental aspect to that interface. And then if you want to say um, nutrition and you want to talk about dietary protein, will dietary protein make you in a better mood? Um, no, probably not. Will it allow you to augment your willpower so that you stay on your plan versus eating donuts or cake or having cravings? It will. And what does that do? It allows you to maintain the integrity within yourself. When you set out on a plan, you say you're going to do this thing and you have all these other things pulling at you like your cravings or blood sugar regulation, you then take an action where... I'm just going to eat that cookie or I'm just going to eat that uh, donut that is down there. Um, you know, the way in which these amino acids work, they will help augment that willpower. And in terms of the people that are, you know, you've looked at from um, your perspective, treating various clients uh, along this journey, have you found that the world in which we live in is so now we have so much access to so much information? And that's great. That's super positive about, you know, how we're affecting our bodies and the changes that we can make, which are positive. But we also live with this sort of low grade stress all of the time. Um, and many people, especially driven professionals, will be subject to that all of the time. It, is there an argument as well to say we need to make time? to switch off. We need time just to focus on self-care. Oh yeah. Um, part of my practice, I, so I still see patients and my patient population, they're entrepreneurs. I take care of some of the best, most successful entrepreneurs in the world. And I will tell you, they have very specific ways about them. They, and in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, you show me your habits and what you do, and I will be able to tell you where you are on your entrepreneurial journey. You show me your habits, you show me what your day looks like, and I will tell you where you are on your entrepreneurial journey. The best of the best, it is non-negotiable. You know, early on in a entrepreneur's or entrepreneur or business owner's uh, behavior is they are working all night, they are pushing early mornings, late nights. And they do not have time for exercise. They do not have time to diet. They do not have time for any self-care. This is a rookie mistake. The best entrepreneur, and here's why, because there's a predictable crash and burn that happens every single time. They'll do this next big sale. They'll do this next big launch. And as high as they go is as low as they go. They will then spend, spend another month trying to recover to get back up to baseline. I see this all the time. The Seasoned entrepreneur is extremely disciplined. It is an absolute non-negotiable, whether they are training early in the morning or when they get off a flight, they have their rituals, they go right to the gym. 
They are very structured on their food. Their food is not chaotic. I could ask any one of my entrepreneurs, the, the real successful ones, you're talking $200 million or more successful. I could call them up and ask them what they ate two weeks ago for lunch and they would be able to tell me. Is that because it's ingrained in them, this pattern of behavior thing is that if you, if you, if you, if you know what you're like, you say, you have this sort of uh, routine that you, that you call on and you, you don't change those variables. There are other things in your life that will cause, um, uh, for you to turn right or to turn left, but those things are the things that they can control, right? Is, is that what it's all about? It's all about controlling the, the process better. Um, yeah, it's just, they recognize the important, they know that is, they are only going to ever be able to go as high as their, um, their health. Mm. And because they care about business and because they care about what they are doing in the world, they know that, um, as high and as successful as they're ever going to be is going to be their ability to keep up. Okay. So normally at this point, I'd ask you, and for do a- they have habits? Yes. Yeah. Normally at this point, I'd ask you for a performance tip for people for better everyday life so that they can perform better every day. But it feels like the better thing to ask is what are those people doing 200 million up that the rest of us aren't every single day, which is leading to success and ultimately performance? They they do a few things. and, And I will say that there's one mind there's one perspective piece I'd love to add because I think that that's the benefit of being a clinician who sees patients is that over time, um, a good clinician can recognize patterns of disease, but an effective physician recognizes patterns of people. Mm. And I think if you recognize patterns of people, there's a lot to be learned from that. And one of the things that I've noticed of the most successful people in the world is they're very neutral going into any big speaking event, any big negotiation, any big anything, they actually are pretty neutral because following the big event or the big deal, they don't, you know, for normal people, those are moments of weaknesses. At the pinnacle, when you are doing everything right and you're having a ton of success, because you're on this kind of dopamine high this is a, a point of vulnerability. And after it, an individual will go as equal, as high as they went will be is as low as they go. So you don't go to baseline, you go actually much lower. And I think that these people recognize it very early on. And so they are neutral going into any kind of major thing. They have a, a level of neutrality. So while the rest of us are trying to catch up and, oh my gosh, that big thing or everything is this big deal. It's, it's not like that for them. And so they don't fall off their plan. They're not losing sleep the night before. They're not, um, you know, starting to go have a bunch of drinks or I just did this great big keynote and now I'm going to go eat a bunch of cake. They're very consistent. And what's so consistent is their emotional control. And they groom themselves in a way where it's not actually effort. So it becomes second nature. It's not this continued effort of forcing a neutral mind. It is something that just exists and it becomes a way of life. And those individuals, it allows them to maintain consistency over decades. They all train. They all do some kind of resistance exercise. They all have a consistent nutrition plan, all of them. 
you know, they all have great doctors on their team. They are not out there and they outsource, right? So my, my patients are very good about doing the things that they need to do. Here's your blood work. We're going to do this. We're going to do your blood work in another six months. It's not, you know, and they've become very good at it. It's not um, secondary. They don't wait for the wheels to fall off the bus. And what I guess is your greatest success story to date, which, which are the, which is the patient that you're perhaps most proud of? I know there's, there's data protection involved here, but you know, if you could draw on one experience, which has really consolidated all of this learning for you, which, which would it be? I mean, there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different patients depending on the, you know, what it is that they, they were looking to do, but there's, there's one patient that really, it was profound, her impact. So she was a healthcare professional. She was a, a professional woman working a lot of hours and she had, um, autoimmune disease. So she had, um, you know, I think that she had, I don't know, maybe if it was, it was lupus or, uh, rheumatic arthritis. She just had a, a whole host of pretty significant autoimmune disease and was on a lot of heavy drugs for it. She had struggled to lose weight. She did every diet under the sun. And when she started working with me, she ended up losing 60 pounds and was able to cut back nearly all her medication. Uh, inflammatory markers went down, everything. And she just was finally ready. She was ready to be less distracted. One of the reasons why people don't do well is they're, they're very distracted. Mm -hmm. And when individuals are very distracted, um, they don't stick to a plan. And, you know, you'd mentioned earlier, what's all this, there's so much information out there. Yes. And that information does one thing. It doesn't provide good information. It provides distraction. What becomes very critical is to vet the information that you're hearing, understand that you are going to execute on a plan, put on the blinders and not abandon ship and really focus on that key action. So if someone is listening to this and they're like, well, what are the practical things, how to get started? I would say, here's, here's what it's going to be. You're going to start with one gram per pound of protein for your ideal body weight. So if you are 150 pounds and you want to be 130 pounds, get 130 grams of protein. Super simple. That first and that last meal of the day should have 40 to 50 grams of protein. The middle meal, I don't care. Prioritize protein first. You'll augment your willpower your protect skeletal muscle. Um, you know, if you want to have carbohydrates, you should earn them. Carbohydrates should not be more than 50 grams of carbs per meal, uh, depending on what your carbohydrate tolerance is. Super easy. Don't have to overcomplicate it. Be consistent. You're not going to the grocery store and then figuring out what you're going to do. We're not doing any of that. You are knowing exactly what you are going to be getting and you are prepping and you are planning just as you do for your podcast, just as you do for your work. This is just as equally as important. So you do that, super easy. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to add in resistance exercise three days a week. There's no excuse not to do it. It's a non-negotiable um, because you know that when you are exercising, you are not training to be good at exercise. You are exercising to be good at life. You are doing resistance training to protect your brain. You are doing resistance training because you are cultivating your character in a way that may not be easy, but is challenging. And that is a life worth of meaning. 
So you do those things. And I think that you're going to be ahead of the pack, 90 ahead of the pack by 90%. That's great advice. It's absolutely fantastic. Gabrielle, thank you so much. It's been really fascinating speaking to you. Thank you for having me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.